0: So hello and welcome to episode four or episode three and a half, depending on how you want to look at it of the, of the Wildcast. Obviously last week we, uh, we dropped the first half of the Sam Bullis interview. Um, we talked about, uh, a couple of the Wildcast signings as well. We're joined again by, by Tom. Tom, how's, uh, how's life over in your part of Swindon this week? Yeah, it's good. It's good. Um, yeah, weird. it's weird, it's the first time we've not recorded this on a Friday, I think, so a bit of a change, bit of a change here, how are you? Yeah, yeah, not so bad, but yeah, like you said, we're about to changing the schedule up a little bit um, after the news uh, has just dropped that uh, the Wildcats have uh, made a midweek announcement, so um, we're trying to get this one in, ready to, to push it out before uh, before the end of the week, which is when we were we were going to be dropping the uh, the second half of the Sam Bullet interview, but... Not only have we got uh, a little bit to talk about on Tom's rotkiss because that's been announced, but also going back to last week, uh, the pretty much the same day we dropped the uh, the podcast, we've got uh, we've got Lawrence Taylor to talk about as well. So we'll start at the top of the show. Tom, uh, just give us your reaction to uh, to Lawrence coming back. It's a good signing. Um, Loris obviously didn't have maybe as big a role last year. As may have liked um he was in competition with a lot of forwards he has you know 11 12 forwards we had max Berger in some of the time as well which obviously added added competition for the um ice time but yeah he's a solid player he's got a really good set of hands you know he scored he can put the puck in the net um i think aaron's interview um about it when it was announced kind of suggested he'd have a bigger role to play this year and i think that's fair. He's definitely a guy who's capable of putting up some points on the kind of third line. Um, he'll he'll play well on a line with his brother. We've always seen that him and Floyd have got a good link up, and yeah, and he's got a physical edge. So I'm pleased he's back. He's obviously um, a Swindon lad through and through as well. He's had his time in the EPL, then moved down to the Cats two for a couple of years, and then he's come back. And yeah, he's had a real impact since coming back. I think when he came in two three years ago now um back into the um senior cats roster i don't think people really knew what to expect from him having had a couple of years away but yeah he's really stepped up and um i'm pleased for one anyway i'm personally pleased that he's coming back um, yeah, it was definitely it was definitely odd when not not so much odd actually it's the wrong word of putting it, but when when it was announced a couple of years ago that loris was coming back it was a complete signing out of left field and initially it was a a four-week trial and an hour and Aaron had, Aaron and Loris had obviously spoken that summer about getting him back into the, the senior walk outside, and and it was there was always a, an element of we'll see how he gets on in that initial four week period. But I mean, Loris just blew us away, blew the fans away, the, the club away, and I, to be fair, probably Aaron as well. Like I don't think anyone really knew what to expect, but he came in and, and was was superb. And I think it was probably about two weeks into that four week trial that he was extended for the rest of the year, and and scored some absolutely vital goals along the way. Um, to, to the league title that year and again to, to get to bring him back for another year like you said last year he may not have uh necessarily seen as much of the ice time as perhaps he would have liked but I think I think going forward like you said there's um we've obviously seen a couple of players depart and I think Loris will get a bigger role next year and I think he'll, I think he'll excel um he, he like you said his work rate is is phenomenal and the thing with Loris, and I don't think necessarily many people have realized it, but you can play all over the lines. Like we, we've seen him play with Aaron and, and Thomas last year, and we, then he drops in two shifts later on the third line and slots nicely alongside um, with Floyd and, and or, or Luke we had last year as well. And, and he's, he's got that flexibility, and like you say, he's got great hands. He's got a good hockey brain, and I know he plays down, and I know Floyd does too. That there's that brotherly link between the two of them. They both kind of say you a teammate. Is a teammate. He's not a brother. He's a teammate. But they they do have a a link up on the ice, and they're um they're good fun to watch those two and it's going to be exciting for another year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm just having a quick look at his numbers from the last couple of years since coming back into the um, Cats setup. Um, in the league title-winning season, 42 games, 12 goals, 10 assists for 22 points. Solid return for a guy who played mostly on the third line that year. And then last year, four goals, 11 assists. 11 assists for 15 points in 48 games in the um, COVID-shortened season. So I think he'd obviously hope this year maybe to score a few more goals. So, you know, only four goals is not a bad return for a guy who didn't have as much ice time as other players on the team, but certainly he knows he can put the puck in the net. I'm sure he'll be looking to – that'll be an area of the game he'll be looking at for this season to kind of improve on, which he's more than capable of doing. Like I say, he's got a good shot and good hands. So. Hopefully he can put a few pucks in the net and, you know, help the team that way as well. And the other thing with Loris, he's got a habit of scoring some really big goals as well. We've seen it yeah. in times where a certain players either are being defended out of the game or no matter what they're trying, the netminder is stopping every single shot that's sent to them. But sometimes Loris can always just pop up with a that, that big goal that we need to get the team going and, and people like him, and to be fair, Floyd does it as well and Bully as well. There's there's a couple of names that, that have got that ability to just Get that goal, grab the game by the sort of scruff of the neck, and get on with it. And I, it's going to be good to get to get him back for another another twelve months. Yeah, we mentioned just before we move on. We mentioned um, back in episode one when we were talking about you know losing Luke Johnston and particularly Eddie Bebris, We mentioned that other players were going to have to. Yes, we'll have probably have other guys coming in, but other players. going to also have to take up some of the slack from particularly Eddie's points return and Loris is one of the guys who's capable of doing that I think given more of an opportunity more more ice time Um, yeah i will be interested to see how he does yeah I think it's spot on and that um leads us on bringing in the sort of the Eddie news there again uh leads us on nicely to the to the next signing and this has literally just been been announced earlier today as, as we go to record this um Tom's Ruckus is back again on a familiar two-way deal with uh, the Cardiff Devils in the Elite League, which is a great move for Tom's. I know we've spoken off there countless times over the last two or three years. Tom's is training day-to-day with one of, if not the best organisation in the UK. Um, They've won everything under the last four or five years. Um, He's come to us when he first came from OHA. I think we all saw the potential Tom's had and he's gone to Cardiff. He's developed his game. He's worked with some fantastic players and some fantastic coaches down there. And he's come back uh, just a phenomenal, um, a phenomenal player. And to get that two-year, two sorry, not two-year, two-way um, deal back again with Tom's and Cardiff is 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 fantastic. And I know that um, from speaking to Aaron. I know how happy he is about getting Tom's back in the locker room again. So just give us your thoughts on that one. I mean, it's a great signing. There's no other way of putting it. Um, as you say, he's another guy who can step up. He can play on any line. We saw it last year. He played on the top line. He played on the third line. He's got the game to do both. Um, Aaron has kind of mentioned in his interview in the signing um, announcement that he expects Tom's to take a bigger role this year when he's with us. Um, hopefully, hopefully we'll have him quite a lot, but equally it would be nice to see him having some success in Cardiff as well. But... Yeah, he's mentioned he'll have a big role and i imagine with eddie going you'd have to think he'll be nailed on or not nailed on but certainly highly likely to be given an opportunity to get in the top six every night um this year on those top two lines and um, with the other big name players um again 20 goals last year can't argue with that particularly for a younger guy um he can put the puck into that he's got great speed he's improved his defensive game massively I think in Cardiff he's a real two-way player now and I was always kind of quite a big admirer of Rutkis when he kind of first came through I know we've known each other for a long time and we watched these OHA boys coming through the first time and we always both said they're all talented players for sure but Rutkis was one of those ones that he just had that little bit of star quality and I think we're really seeing that coming coming through he's had some bad luck with injuries over the years you know he had you know, a nasty knee injury one year. One year in EPL, he obviously had his um, jaw injury, which he, against Telford, which we won't go into. But um, yeah, it, it wasn't really good to see him have a couple of years of sustained fitness and sustained being in the lineup every night. And it's he's coming on leaps and bounds, and it's only going to be a benefit to the Cats and um, to have him have him again next season. I think the thing that um always comes to mind when I think about Tom's is when he first broke out of OHA and was kind of just settling into the first years of Wildcat, he was he was quick, he had slick hands and could could move a puck around pretty much anyone and and if he can get it round a D-man then probably about eight or nine times out of ten Toms would find a way to make it into the back of the net. I think the thing that's changed for Tom's and this is not for a bad thing, this is absolutely changed for the better, as you look back at the yeah, the end of season awards night Tom's was voted um, goal of the season and when you watch that goal he picks the puck up deep in his own zone and he just drives the net and he doesn't rely on the skill that he's got to get around players he just does it on sheer speed and strength and I think those are the two things that, since he's been down uh, working with the Devils I think those are the two things that he's really improved his game on and Settling in on a on a first, maybe even a what, second, or maybe even a first line. I think he's a he's a perfect winger, and he, and the age he is and the the upside that his growth has got playing more hockey, be it in Swindon or Cardiff. I think is is great, and we talk a lot about these two way deals, and and sometimes they might not necessarily come off with with players going to the elite league, and and that's not just from Swindon. That's just an NIHL perspective, but I think. If you're looking for an advocate of a good two-way deal, you need to look no further than Tom's because what he's done on the ice when he's training with the Devils and then when he comes to play cat games for the Cats, he um, he is light and day compared to what he was when he broke out of OHA and he was good when he came out of OHA. 100%, 100% he's, you can tell. We've, we've both said it. You can tell that working day in, day out with these kind of quality players in Cardiff um, and quality, a quality coach, obviously, spent time with Andrew Lord who's now moved on. I have no doubt that whoever replaces him, whoever replaces Andrew Lord will be just as good for Tom's career. Um yeah, you're playing with guys like Jerry Martin and Jerry Haddad, name name whoever you want on that Cardiff team. You know, it's gonna be benefiting players to be training with those every single day of the week. And it, it brings that um that winning mentality as well. We kind of joked over the last two or three years there's probably not anybody in british hockey that has won as much as tom's house when you yeah. consider everything he's won with the devils you then throw in he was part of the the cup double with the cats the league title with the cats the guy just at the moment has a winning mentality and that is something else you can't buy. And like you said, playing with guys like Joey Martin, Joey, your dad, and it's not just that. You look at some of the more senior Brits on that team that he's played with over the last couple of years, Mark Richardson, Matty Myers. Those guys know how to win at club level and they know how to do it on international level as well. And Toms has just got massive potential and to get him back in, in Swindon is superb. And you, there's two games really for Toms that stand out to me from last season. There was obviously the home leg of the Cup semi-final against Telford. Where he scored two goals, including that goal of the season, and was outstanding. Obviously, that was a big game for us, and his his performance really helped us win that game. Obviously, the second leg didn't go our way, but it gave us as good a chance as we could have asked for, really, against such a good Telford team. And unfortunately, just it, it was a game of cat and mouse, and we were really unfortunate um, over be. to yeah. that. Yes, yeah. cat versus cat, I suppose. But um yeah, no, we were just. It was such a good game for for 125 minutes, as it were, you know, in the end. But um, yeah, but going off topic there, Tom's performance in that first leg was absolutely outstanding. And the other game was obviously on Remembrance Weekend against Peterborough, where the line of him, Eddie and Chris Jones, I think we we won maybe 8-5, 8-6. I can't remember the score off my head, but I'm pretty sure they combined with every single goal. (laughs) You know. yeah i think they might have combined with every single one apart from one and i remember talking to aaron after that game and it was just a case of he literally said the other two lines were on there just to give that line a rest yeah. because they were that hot that night and i don't think anyone had ever seen a line dominate a game as much as that let alone dominate a very very good well drilled slava kulikov peter brantum's team and yeah and you can't expect you can't expect um players to be that dominant every single night but it kind of shows the maturity that Tom Tom's has got for a young player to be able to go in and put in those sort of performances, particularly in big games against good teams. So yeah, um, I think definitely one that we're all happy about. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, that probably brings us we don't want to talk too much about uh, the news coming out of the cats this week because obviously we have got the the second half of the the Sam Bullis interview. The first half has gone down really well. We're we're both delighted um with everybody that has uh, has listened and given us the feedback for that one. Um we know that Bully's obviously a great guy to talk to and he was he was a superb chat and the first half was was good fun. Um obviously he's been here eleven years now in case people hadn't necessarily realized and it was we to do it justice we had to split the interview into two so hopefully you've uh you enjoy part one and part two we kind of look at the more recent life with the Wildcats obviously we talk about the league win we talk about the double cup win we talk about his testimonial um but yeah so without further ado we'll uh we'll hand back over to to ourselves again with Bully uh for the second half of the interview so um enjoy Okay, so we're now in the uh, the second half of the uh, Sam Bullis interview. Um, obviously, in the first half, we talked about the Coventry weekends and the sort of first few years that uh, you spent here, bully. So, moving on uh, to the sort of second half of your Swindon career. The, uh, the 2014-15 season um, was your head coach, Ryan Aldridge, his last year. What was it like when you found out that Ryan was going to be stepping down?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, it's... it's tough being at a club for so long because you do you do really form these amazing friendships and you know uh, me and rye are really close now and we obviously worked together in the in the wildcats program as well when he was with the aha stuff and and i was working with the community so we're very good friends and um no it was tough because he was pretty much one of the main reasons i signed in swindon um his kind of charisma and his is his want to to win and his drive and you know, just his personality in general was one of the one of the main selling points where I ended up signing. And uh, no, it was obviously a bit of a shock. But obviously, when I found out Steve Lyle had, had taken over the realm, and I played with Stevie that year, and you know, we, we got on well. And uh, no, I was excited for to see what was going to happen. And yeah, obviously that that changed pretty quick. But um, but no, yeah, it was. It, and I I do get sad at them points and think you know it, it was it was a shame that Rye stepped down and stuff. And obviously had the great opportunity at the OHA, but. At the same time, uh, you know, I, I'm 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 happy and privileged that and and thankful that I I did manage to get all those years with Rye and learn so much from him because he really is an an unbelievable coach and a lot of the things I do today and all of my coaching philosophies and stuff are, are heavily based about around how Rye coaches and you know and uh, even my teaching a lot of the stuff I do in my teaching and thinking about the kind of teaching styles and coaching styles I I stole a lot of that from Rye as well so. You know, he's been a massively influential coach on on my life and uh, you know I can't thank him enough for taking that risk on me as a 17 year old kid and bringing me down
0: and i know that every time we talk about that that year there's always one moment that tom always refers to whenever <laughs> we talk about. so i'm going to let him ask you about this particular moment and i think you know what we're going to ask you yeah. so yeah so the moment is obviously for those fans who weren't there i would Encourage you to go on YouTube and try and find the video for the game in the, whichever season, we're in, fourteen, fifteen season. But, but yes, it's you're in Basingstoke. It's in the second period. I think we're two one up in the game. Um, we're under quite a lot of pressure at the time. You know, oh, I was Thinking about this one. i was
1: thinking about something else. But yeah, I do remember this.
0: Basingstoke, <laughs> Basingstoke, putting us under pressure. Floyd Taylor kind of gets the puck to you on on the red line. Three boys players between you and Dean Skins. Do you want to talk us through what happens next? Uh, <laughs> because I think it's one of the best goals any of us have seen live <laughs> in a Wildcats game over the last
1: ten years. It's just a bla I just went blank, to be honest. I'm not sure quite <laughs> what happened. Uh, no, from a it, obviously it was a. It's one of my favourite goals I've probably ever scored. You know, managed to pull off a few moves, which is usually once or twice a year. I get one move, and I managed to pull all of them in one in one single shift. So, but no, it was. uh yeah, it was, it was a, obviously a, a good pass by Floyd. But what a lot of people don't see, and if you do ever see the video, I'll find it somewhere, and I think it's on the internet somewhere, but is just what the, my teammates, and we talk about our third line, and what we bring is, is uh, what they did as well. Because if you watch the video, Floyd, he makes me that pass, and I'm, I'm way, af- way ahead of him. And you see him coming straight through the middle of the ice, straight to the drive in the net. I think he takes, I think it's Joe Baird at the time, takes Joe Baird out of the play, allows me that space to come through the middle. And uh, you know I want to be able to do that without him because I would be literally skating onto three people stepping up on me. So, but no, yeah, it was uh, it was one of those blank out moments where you just kind of go black and then you wake up and you you've scored a goal. So just panic, panic, panic and score. So <laughs> I'm not quite sure. I haven't got much else to say on that one. I, I
0: I'll never. I just you will never forget the uh, the, move, the the sound of our voices in the crowd of gongboli. Goal bully, goal bully, and then just the sheer euphoria when you make the third move and sit Dino down and just tuck the puck in behind him. But I, I'm intrigued now. Which moment did you think we were going to ask you about?
1: I don't know. I thought you, I thought you were going to bring up the, uh, the BBC Sport moments.
0: No, just the um, just the, the the superb goal in Basingstoke, which, like I said, we still get talked. Still, the fans talk about to this day. There's many times. <laughs> There's been some superb goals at the Link Centre over the last two or three years, you know, be it Aaron, be it Malash, be it whoever. And I think every time someone sees a great goal, they always go, yeah, it's good, but it's not bullying bases, though. And I don't know. <laughs> you
1: know you, from Malash played to played who, the one who, he's on his knees and he puts it top shelf and the yeah. Malash one where he's a around my backhand. Yeah, there's been some good ones, to be fair. I think it uh, it might make top 20 now, but I don't think it'd be quite, quite up that <laughs>
0: I don't know. It was fun, especially because it was in and Stoke, and they're always fun. Yeah. Um, that obviously you talked about it a little bit when you talked about Ryan leaving, but obviously Stevie took over the year after, and then Stevie left, Aaron took over. What was that kind of period of hockey like in as a Swindon player? That difficulty at the start of that
1: season. Yeah, it is tough. It is tough. Um, for one, getting not it's not tough getting used to used to a new coach because obviously we all knew Stevie well, and uh, Stevie came in and had some great ideas and. it's it's tough because obviously we played with Stevie so we're good friends with Stevie as well and I think I think people like Stevie and Aaron and it's one of the hardest jobs in hockey to you know separate yourself from being that friend and 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 the coach you know it it is tough and probably even more so for Aaron because you know we played together for years and even with him and Stevie and me and him and you know we're all very good friends and to to all of a sudden be you know that power that position of power and to be the one in control it it must be a, a challenge and you know, I think uh, Aaron, since he's taken over, has done it unbelievably. You know, he, he draws that line really well between friendship and being that professional coach. And, you know, I think uh, you've seen it in, in our results over the years. Aaron's just coming on and on and on. He's developing the team more and more. And, um know, he's done an amazing job over the last few years. So I think, uh, obviously, it was a sadness to lose, to lose Oldie and... And gums the whole Gumsy situation, I have no idea what happened there. You know, it was crazy time to just to, and he came back as a player and it was it was all so crazy. That's what I was saying about the BBC Sport when they tweeted. Yeah. They a tweet from BBC Sport saying it was coach, returned as player, and it was, it was all it was all just such a mess at that point. And and uh but no, it's good it got settled down and obviously Aaron came in in that mid midway point and, you know, um made some good changes and then as soon as he had that full year in, in control, you know, I think uh it was really a turning point for for the Wildcats when we started, to, you know, nail n- the screw, uh, well, screw the screwing, in, as, as the saying goes, I guess.
0: And that that year, um, another guy turned up in Swindon, or sorry, had for his second year actually, but it turned up in Swindon. Uh, Thomas Malasinski, what a player?
1: Yeah, you know, again, again, just just crazy, and uh, now again, Thomas is. We've been very lucky in Swindon where we we've, we've brought in these imports, and they've just been fantastic guys as well, and. I remember the, uh, the year Thomas moved down and uh, there's some confusion about his house. And I think Oldie thought he wanted to live alone because obviously his wife was living in London at the time and they were traveling and seeing each other. Um, but I think there was some miscommunication. So I remember moving into the team house with uh, Hoogie, Ollie Betteridge, uh, maybe Wits as well, I think was in there. And it was Yanni maybe. It was a bit of a crazy team house. And then Oldie actually called me and said, do you mind moving in with a new guy? Because obviously um, he doesn't really speak any English. And if you, I think Rye was lying to me, he didn't speak any English. No, <laughs> think about it. There's there no English there at all. Bless him. And, uh, but I, of course I said yes and moved in with him that year and we we kicked it off straight away. You know, he's a, I've got so many funny stories about living with him. But, um, no, he, he's brilliant and he he's another player who changed the game for us. You know, he's, his skill level is fantastic. His work rate is fantastic. We talk about it all the time how he managed to take a puck away from a player when he's two feet behind him. I still don't understand how he does it. But no, he's, he's brilliant and, uh, no, he's and he's such a good guy as well. You know, I tell one of the stories now because it actually is quite funny and it's and it's PC. It's it's allowed on this. So, uh, <laughs> but no, it's. Um, I remember once we're going to we going to the game and I said, Thomas, come on, like we're going to be late. We need to hurry up. And he's going, bully, I, I can't find my sharks. And I'm saying, what your sharks? And I'm thinking, what's going on? And he's going, no, know, I can't find my sharks. You know, my sharks are my feet. I said, your are sharks. He went, I went, you socks? He went, yes, my sharks. And he <laughs> packed me up and I was just like, okay, right, let's find your hockey sharks. <laughs> let's get going we're going to be late and we'll get fined. But there's loads of them where I used to just walk around the house, bless him, for the first few months. To be fair to him, his English now is very good and he's picked up so quick. But I do remember the early days I'd be walking around and I'd just be, you'd be pointing at stuff and I'd like, that's a fork, knife, pan, fridge, freezer. I think for the first six months, you've got fridge, freezer the wrong way around. He'd be like, "Where's the beard?" He'd be like, "In the freezer." I'm like, well, I hope it's not in the freezer, Thomas." But, but no. So, uh, but no. He's he's such a good guy, and equally like like Yanni, he's a massive part of our club. And um, my member Aaron texted me in the summer last year and said to me, um, "I've got another guy on, on a three-year deal for to keep you company." And at, at the time, I thought it might be somebody else, or one of the British players or something. And obviously, as soon as he told me, I was I was so excited because yeah, we get on well, and you know, like I say, he's a great guy to have in the locker room. And just a terrific ice hockey player, just skill level through the roof.
0: And I think like his, his time in Swindon kind of leads us nicely onto the next couple of questions I was going to ask you. Obviously, the EPL kind of folded the way that we knew it at the time. Thomas obviously moved back to Poland. I think we kind of all kind of expected that move. I guess it was obviously a blow to yourself. What was it like that summer of uncertainty around what, where Swindon were going to be playing, even though we knew we were going to be playing somewhere?
1: Yeah, it's tough, you know. It's uh, for me, I, for me in my my ice hockey career personally. You know, I want to play at the highest level I can. So obviously, it was a, a bit in that we thought we were gonna end up merging with the, with the or joining the lower leagues and stuff. And that competitive side is what I really enjoy about the ice hockey. You know, hanging out obviously with the boys and being around them four or five times a week is unbelievable. And that's something which you you can't really know until you're in that sport environment, but yeah, I played because I, I love the competitive level and stuff. But, you know, the league they put together in the end was, was really competitive. And, you know, I thought we obviously we had the great year there as well. But no, it was it was a tough change. And again, it's almost like we referred back to this coronavirus stuff. It's it's that uncertainty, which is tough and not knowing what is going on and not knowing the league fixtures and and all this stuff. But I think when it wanted to get settled, I remember being at OHA camp and you know, me and Aaron sitting down and you know, kind of going. He's telling me about what's going to happen, and I think as soon as I knew that, you know, I was I knew I was in for the long haul. So, um no, I think it, it was obviously a different change, but I think it's a good change. In in when we look at it now, you know, the league's a lot more competitive now, and I think it's the only way that we could have survived as a, as a league, because obviously we were financially stable at that time and we were in a good position, but a lot of teams weren't, and a lot of teams are struggling with the five imports and the housing costs and everything like that. So, you know, it's obviously a shame because we don't get them talent them extra talented imports in the team. But I think from a financial and structural point in, in UK hockey, I think it was a very smart move because you know a lot of clubs are more financially stable. And at the end of the day, it's great as being financially stable. But if nobody else is, uh, it's tricky to have no one to play against.
0: What was it like like that year when you lost Manchester? Obviously, we kind of benefited in the sense that Robin Kovar came down to Swindon. But it must be tough and weird when you're a player in a league and then all of a sudden twenty guys that you played against all season aren't there anymore. There's a team missing, there's gaps in you fix your fixture list, all of a sudden you look at what you're doing in two weeks' time and it's well I'm not going to Manchester anymore. I've got a day off. It must have been a really odd time to play.
1: It is. And you know what? It's for me, it's it's a bit of a shame because there's some some big teams, and obviously Manchester have the league team now, so they have bounced back in, in them But um no, it is it's a shame. And I had a lot of friends in them teams as well who had to either move down a league or try and find a new job somewhere or travel and like myself now in Swindon, you, you do get settled in a in a town or a city, and you know it does become your home. So I can imagine losing uh, losing your team is is tremendously difficult. Like I say, for us for us it was it was different, but we our focus never changed. You know, Aaron drilled that focus and that culture into us early on, as soon as he came in, and you know, lay out his expectations, and and uh, we kind of just kept that same mentality going throughout that year. And I think that's probably why we had such a good year because. Even though the uncertainty and the league changes and everything going on, I don't think it really phased us too much. and I think we kind of just you know, knuckled down and uh, did, did what we wanted to do for ourselves rather than worrying about anybody else.
0: And putting the, the league kind of situation to a side for that year, it was a pretty rough year in Swindon. Aaron went down injured. Callum Bugles went down injured. Mark Smith went down injured. He's probably someone of I'm missing off that list went down injured at some point in that year. Did <laughs> yourself actually missed some time with your ankle at some point? Was that the same year?
1: maybe yeah
0: um it must have been tough when you lose guys like Aaron like he's, he's irreplaceable at that level as a Brit
1: yeah I've said it a hundred times and I'll say it again you know Aaron has something special you know that that shot is is nothing like I've ever seen from a British British player before I think there's very few could shoot like him and you know I remember years and years <laughs> we've just been the same you know he's just he just has that shot and he just puts the bar down and when he's coming down that wing and he, and he and he you know he does that quick snapshot, or I just hear the ping. I just expect that ping, and it's just going bar down, bar down. But you know, yeah, it was he was a massive loss for us that year. Um, he's such a hot, huge part of our team, especially now being coached as well. Um, no, it, it, it was tricky, but um, yeah, it's the thing is, it's, it is ice hockey, and at the end of the day, you're going to have three or four injuries every year. You, you expect that. I think the last couple of years we've actually been quite lucky where we've been pretty healthy as an overall team, but. Um, no, it, it's expected, and that's just when guys on your third line and you guys who are coming up as youngsters and guys have to fill in and step up and you know play a big role. And even guys like myself who don't generally score as many goals, you know, it's, if you are losing a big goal scorer, you do have to step up and you know start chipping in a bit more and making sure that you're contributing as much as you can. So, um, no, it was obviously a shame, but it, it is sport, and it happens in every sport. You know, there's injuries, and you just kind of gotta gotta keep working. I think it was good, for Aaron too. You know, he managed to get that different perspective as well, where he wasn't just just playing as well, he was he was coach for a time, you know, he was just on the bench and I think that I really helped him, you know, see the game and see what was going on as well. Because I can't imagine what it's like having to play and coaches. You know, I couldn't do it, I couldn't do it and my hat's off to him because it really is a skill to be able to see what he sees whilst playing and, you know, trying to manage a bench. So, no, it's amazing.
0: I definitely think at the time, what we kind of felt that it was going to help and benefit Aaron long term to have that time where he was on the bench, you could see what was going on and I think that'll help him down the line. So it's it's interesting to, to hear that you kind of thought the same thing.
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's hard again with Aaron because you know, when he took over the role, he was young for a coach and, you know, he was thrown in almost at the deep end a little bit and he's done such an amazing job and you forget how young he still is. You know, he's only 30 years old and for a coach that's that's not that old. You know, he's still pretty young. He must be one of the youngest, if not the youngest coaches in the league, really. I can't think of anyone who's, who's younger than him and... To th- to think what he's done over the last few years in Swindon and made us a real powerhouse and you know, made us competitive every year has is, is been fantastic. So, um, no, I can't fault him enough, you know. it's And it, it is good to get that insight as well, you know, to t- take that time away and, you know, step back from playing and have a look at the game. And obviously it's not what we wanted as a team, but, you know, you've got to take every silver lining. So if that helped him on the way, then, you know, fantastic for us. So
0: moving into seventeen eighteen and the first year, after the EPL collapse we're in the NIHL now um, it's South One Aaron's back from his injury but he's back in a very different league a different team you know he's lost you know who has gone at this time Thomas has gone back to Poland um he had another import that season Robin Kovar has gone as well we brought a couple of new guys in Chris Jones has come back from Cardiff what was it how different was it playing in that kind of new league initially, for you as a player?
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was a little bit different. I think the and I think if anyone watching and fans would agree, it was a little bit slower. It wasn't quite the the intensity. I think it's very difficult to play an ice hockey match when um, the intensity isn't coming back at you. You know, you can you can bring your own intensity and stuff, but it is quite difficult when. And it's not the same. It wasn't quite as structured at the time. You know, there wasn't as much. I remember the EPL being very structured, everything being on, you know, set plays and roles and positions. And it was a bit messy at the start. But I think it, it was good in general, because I think these other teams learned quickly that when they're playing some of the some of the old EPL teams, that, you know, this is the way ice hockey is now for them. And I, I can only, to be honest, I think for the, for the young British players and a lot of these lower end teams in that league that year was fantastic because, gave him a lot of ice time. It gave him against ice time against good players. You think if they're playing against, you know, Aaron and top goal scorers and top goalies and stuff like that. It is tough. So I think it was good overall for some of these some of these younger kids and some of these other teams who hadn't really ever played in this league before to to make that step up and really make a name for themselves. And he's putting quite a few now who are who are household names in some of these clubs who have really had the opportunity to shine. And um no, I think I think from that point from a British perspective it's probably good. But um I think that first year was a little bit a bit slow and a bit more messy to watch ice hockey-wise.
0: And you mentioned, you know, it was good for young Brits. Obviously, the one young Brit who we brought in that summer, who I haven't mentioned yet, is Rennie Mark, replacing Stevie Lyle in in there. How um, how long did it take you guys to realise that Rennie kind of had something a little bit special there? Because obviously Stevie was such a big pair of skates to fill, and Rennie kind of filled them than I think
1: anyone perhaps expected. Yeah, definitely. You know, I don't think you can fully fill Steve Lal's boots. You know, he playing playing the top league ice hockey in the UK when he was 14 years old. He, he's an ice hockey legend. You know, he's for me, he's the best British goalie we've ever had. I think the only one who could ever come close is probably Ben Bounds at this point, um, who is also outstanding. So, and yeah. and Steve Lal is just a top guy. You know, I, I still really good mates him now. He's such a such a good guy and such a good guy to know. So. But no, um, yeah, Rennie came in, and I think I think we were, to be honest, we knew his brother quite well. I didn't really know Rennie because I've obviously played against his brother before. Um, but yeah, as soon as Rennie came in, I I couldn't believe it. You know, he 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 showed us straight away, even in training, and his work ethic and everything like that. He's uh, he's got some serious talent. He's a very special player, and uh, no, I think we were very lucky to get him when we did, and to really be able to, you know, for him to mature with us is is fantastic. And I think uh, he's been a massive and crucial part to. Obviously, he's, he's, it's a hard job being a goalie you're on your own. You don't have a lot of, you know, it's any any position where you kind of are, are a little bit solo. But, um, and there's so much pressure on a goalie. I don't know how they do it, to be honest, because, you know, it's literally, you're, you're, if I make a mistake on the ice, I've got four of the players who can kind of, you know, help me out and kind of back me up and really survive. But, um, no, it, it's, it's really tough. Um, it's really tough for anyone to do that job on their own. And, uh, yeah, when he came in, we knew pretty quickly from training and the first few games that we had someone very talented and you know he's been excellent for us over the last few years
0: and that 17-18 year you're never gonna forget the cup double uh, as it was that year it was just talk us through winning that first one not so much winning it but just talk us through that Basingstoke doubleheader double header final a team that had been in the EPL they'd won league titles they'd won playoffs they'd won cups what was it like going up against them for that double header?
1: You know that year we we were just so clinical, we were just so uh, ferocious, we were we were just we would smother teams all over the ice, you know. And um, I think I remember that year we played Peterborough. I think we were just in their end for nearly a whole period. Just they were just chipping out, and we were just back out and back out, and just waves and waves of pressure. And you know, I think we really came together that year. It was, it was a really good year for for the Wildcats. It was really that that first step towards you know that positive that positive start of league um, positions and stuff as well. And No, uh, I remember going into them games and to be honest, I had no nerves whatsoever. I knew we were going to win and, and it's crazy for me to say that with such confidence, but I just knew the way we were and the way we'd peaked that year at that time. And, you know, I just knew I had all the confidence in the world in the team and, and, and our system, which Aaron had put in and I just knew we were going to win. So, uh, yeah, I just, it was amazing. And I think as well with the pressure of having no trophy in so many years and, you know, always being, you know, a mid-table team, I think, uh, I think it just gave us that inspiration to be able to just really crack on and, you know, get get them two victories. So no, it was a it was a it was a crazy crazy experience. But to be able to bring some silverware home for the for the first time in such a long time was uh, was a really special moment for me. And probably up there is one of my uh, particularly that one because it was the first trophy that in the league one. But uh, probably one of my all-time favourite hockey moments. And
0: when you break it down, those those games. Off the top of my head, I can't remember the aggregate scoreline, but you look at the goal that was the, the championship-winning goal in that Autumn Cup, the goal that secured the trophy for the first time in 27 years, or however long it was, and it was scored by a certain number 13, Sam Bullis. I guess that must be pretty, a pretty, pretty proud moment to be the guy that secured that title in front of the... And if I remember rightly, you celebrated in front of the base instead of the fans.
1: I think I did, yeah. Well, it, oh, it was that end. Did, it wasn't deliberate, I promise. I oh, um, <laughs> you told me once you just you
0: were so pumped you just needed to score and they were the first fans you saw.
1: Yeah, it was, but but no, you know, again, you know, it, it, that really speaks testament to to the team mentality that year. Because if you ever do watch that that goal and break it down, and we have before, and you know, um, we've used it over in, in the last few years to show about a uh, determination and dedication. Uh, I think we were we were in their end and we lose the puck, we turn it over, and they break three on two and. Max Bibree, Aaron's actually first guy back, and he gets uh, he gets tied up on the just just on the back there blue line, and he ends up tripping up over somebody. And I think it was Max who was just flying full speed back, and I was just behind Max as well, and we were just we just knew we were doing everything we could to win. And I think Max ended up turning over the puck, shooting it down to the ice to Aaron, who just stood up, and luckily I was swinging at the at the right time. But you know, there's so many components to that goal where if Max hadn't have worked that hard and you know put that kind of work, Kethek into that goal and really show that desire and that, that professionalism which Max, Max brings, um, there wouldn't have been that goal, you know, so it's, you think about the plays leading up to it, it took three or four guys to really work as hard as they can and, you know, really showed that dedication and how much they care about this team and how something special we really had um, made that goal, so, you know, obviously I was the one to, sc- to score it but there was so much going into it and obviously the other goals as well which were massive for us and like I said, we were never losing that game you know, we would never lose any of them games. I knew going in, and I, it was just that feeling, that sense around the dressing room that we were, we were going to win, and no one was going to touch us on that night. And obviously, it's it's what happened.
0: And then you backed it up by beating Sheffield in the National Cup as well.
1: Yes, yeah, so obviously, massive, massive, uh, massive back-to-back cup victories, and it's it's something. Again, it's I think as well when we've seen it over the years with certain teams. I won't say names, but you can have all the players in the world and it doesn't make you a good team. It really is that culture, that bond, you know, that team mentality, that that determination, desire, that really um, really gets you to that championship level. And we really did have that that year. And we've had it over the last few years as well, where we do, we have that mentality. And all, all we want to do is win. You know, obviously it's disappointing for the fans when they when they turn up and, you know, they have their season tickets and they pay for their tickets and we lose and we don't play well, but no one takes it harder than ourselves. You know, we, we, we don't ever go to a game and want to lose or Think we're going to lose? You know, we turn up expecting to win every game, and when we don't, know yeah, it's tough. And I understand it's obviously super tough for the fans and the people who who work hard to support us. But you know, it's it's dead, devastating for us too. You know, this year was really tough as well with um, some of our performances and how we we just missed out a lot. And uh, you know, that year was one where we were we were very happy for ourselves, but we were even more proud to be able to you know get them two trophies for the fans and almost repay that dedication, which I know not everyone had had in the team at that time, but which I've had for. So it was about nine years then wasn't it it's was about ninth year or something but really to pay back and say you know what guys thank you for supporting us and yeah we, we can do it and we and will continue we will continue to
0: and I don't want to talk too much about the other event that happened in that year but going into that national cup final did it um did you get that added motivation to win on top of everything else you'd already had because of what happened in the playoffs that year
1: yeah, yeah, that was it. Was a weird league fixture, wasn't it? Because we played afterwards, which was really odd. And yeah, yeah that was a tough. Uh, yeah, the playoffs. Yeah, oh gosh, that was that's a sore point as well. There's only a few bits, Betty, which you could, which you could make me feel a bit bitter about. But yeah, yeah, you know when you feel better
0: about. It. I'm not asking about the playoffs, but I know,
1: I know. You have that Two or three week gap, and then you go
0: back into a cup final against the team that had played through the playoffs, played in the Coventry weekend, and I remember we been up there on a away game on a Wednesday night. It was a rough game. Yeah. But you have that added motivation to to finish the season in a memorable way for the right
1: reason. I think I think to a point we had a, a chip on our shoulder where we were we were obviously very disappointed with the way things went down with the playoffs. But at the same time, um, like I said before, we knew we were, I knew we weren't going to lose. I knew TurnUps that game. I knew that just we peaked at the perfect time. We were we were flying even with the break. I knew turn up to them two games. I just knew and it was the the mentality of everybody in the dressing room, I just knew we weren't going to lose. It's like we were untouchable. And and I felt untouchable on the ice with as a team, as a unit, not myself, but as a team and a unit. And I just knew everyone was chipping in and doing that small job, that small role. And, you know, everyone was doing the little things which make a massive difference. And and to to some fans, it, it, it's not that noticeable. But, you know, some players like you, Phil Hill and players like that. And I'm, I actually had an OHA interview the other night and I brought up Phil Hill because he was just one of them players who might not stand out as that exceptional hockey player when he was with us and scoring 50 goals a year like Aaron, but he does all of them tiny little things to, to perfection. And it really does add, and everybody that year was doing these small things and it puts such faith and confidence in, in myself and everybody else. And as a team as a unit. And honestly, it, it's a weird feeling. It's one I've, I've had very rarely and where literally, you know, you're going to win. You, you have no doubt. And it's, there's no pressure because you just have this feeling that way. You just, you are untouchable and, It was like that even after the break and we went into them Sheffield games and it was exactly the same as as the Basingstoke. We we dominated and ended up with the second trophy.
0: And I remember, obviously, when I was doing all the the re-signing announcements that that summer after the the Cup double, I think every player I spoke to that returned all used the phrase unfinished business to me going into 1920. Um, You backed it up with a league trophy. What was that year like?
1: Yeah you know we, we obviously the t- the two trophies are massive um the year before and i remember the the first in the conversation over the summer and because we, we obviously all talked over the summer and the conversation was you know we we get, we're getting this league title next year and it we went in with the same mentality where we 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 knew what position we were in the year before we knew we had that motivation we had that chip on our shoulder from from the playoffs and we were devastated about it um but no yeah for us the cups are fantastic and i'm so happy we won them but the big one is the league you know it really shows that that consistency over the year and for me the league is is the real the real best team over that year uh you know the playoffs is is, is a is a look at the draw and you could have a great day or a terrible day same with the cups you know you could just have a terrible final or a terrible semi-final and then end up getting knocked out when you're a, a top team that year um but the league is that consistency and that you know that real year where you've really impressed and you've beaten everybody and you've been consistent about it so no the league the league title was huge for us and you know one of my my favorite moments we talked i've got a few but was when yeah, you know getting yanni Costal to lift that trophy and that league trophy after all them years of not even really coming that close and then all of a sudden it's it's been reality so you know that that scene of yanni lifting a trophy to us and to the fans was uh, was one i won't forget
0: so talk about that title race and at Christmas, we weren't at the top. There was a little gap. You know, we were a few points off. We were mm. third or fourth in the table. You know, I think some fans from other teams had written us off. Peter were absolutely flying at that point and looked like they were, you know, destined to take it. Did the kind of confidence in the locker room in Swindon ever waver? Did you were you always confident you were still in the race? Or did you ever start thinking, maybe this isn't going to happen? Maybe it's not going to be our year?
1: No, we we were always. I think we're always confident, and you know, you always have with such high expectations. We we, we do want to, uh, you know, fill them expectations. And obviously, Jonas coming back was a was a big change that year, and he he brought a new dynamic to the to the team. And then we went on that incredible run where we again we we kind of mimicked what we did the year before, where we had that that chip on our shoulder, and we made the the link central fortress. And you know, people used to dread coming in. I used to speak to my, some of my friends from across the league, and they used to say how much they hate coming to Swindon because they know they're in for a For a tough night, and uh, no, I think uh, I think yeah, obviously Jonas coming in and changing the dynamic of the team a little bit really helped, and and uh, yeah, it it was that run, you know. I think teams were writing us off and thinking you know they're they're done now because I think three or four more losses and it would have been very tricky to ever catch up again. But you know after that Christmas period, and we just we just flew, we just seemed to take off, and as soon as that then few wins came, three or four, then five or six, and seven or eight, and it just kind of kept adding on and on, and then uh, yeah, obviously we just picked it at the end.
0: And I guess when you talk about when you're a kid and you talk about when I win the league, I'm going to score the winning goal, last minute of the game, overtime winner, whatever. When you, If you'd ever pictured winning the league, did you think you'd be sat in the cat's locker room in the second period break waiting for the result on the game somewhere on the other side of the
1: country? I'm glad you brought this up because I didn't. Yeah, it was weird. It was really weird because obviously we found out we won the league and we still had a period to play and uh, it was amazing from the fans because when we came out we had an, an incredible reception from them and it was amazing to celebrate with them after the game but um, yeah it was a bit odd because usually you win a game and you kind of celebrate afterwards to but to win it in the middle of a game it was it was a bit of an anticlimax really it was a bit straight a bit of a strange feeling and uh, obviously because we won the two finals before as well we kind of had that I kind of had that notion of yeah you win the game and you have that big celebration but no I think at that point we were just excited to, just excited to win it and uh, you know um we could have obviously took it the heat the week before we had the, we had the loss to threat which was devastating because I think we all thought we were going we were going to win it that weekend but um no just to win it and um and then go win the that game as well against Bratton was 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 awesome so and it, do you know what it's nice as well because we we did even though we didn't technically win it in our own building, but we did at that, that game you know what i mean it wasn't the game didn't really matter, but we managed to celebrate in front of our fans, and that's something which is uh, which is really important because, you know, without the fans, we wouldn't have the club. And to have that support we do every week in, week out is incredible. And I can't ever fault the the Wildcat fans. You know, the the fan base has grown over the last 11 years I've been here. And, you know, it's something now which is incredible. Every week it's, it's packed and every week we have that support. And, you know, it really does make a difference, you know, when we end up going, I think I brought this up before, and when we go to Solly Hall and there's more Wildcat fans than anyone else in the building, you know, it really does, even that, the 10, 15 fans who make the trip up to Soly Hall really does make the difference. And, you know, it is, it is odd playing in front of nobody.
0: What was that third period like? You'd won the league. There was the euphoria in the locker room. There was the euphoria stepping out onto the ice. And you've still got 20 minutes worth of hockey to play. Is it a case of you want to get it done, get it out of there and go and celebrate? Or is it a case of you want to have a home? We're the league champions. We're going to win this in the way we want to do it. What was kind of the motivation going into that last period?
1: I don't really remember too much. I think because you're in a game, you're still in that mentality of, right, we're going to go out and win this and, you know, be professional about it. And because uh, it's, it's it's a professional league and you can't just go out and make it into a bit, of a bit of a terrible time. You've got fans you're paying to watch, so obviously you need to keep that professionalism about it. But you are very excited at the same time, so you are a little bit torn. Um, I think I remember, and I remember just walking up and down the, the bench, just patting people on the back saying, yes, we did it, we did it, we did it, we did it. Over and over again, I think I was just so excited to get that game done, to get that win and just to, you know, lift that trophy was, yeah, it was, a, it was a hell of a moment, hell of a time. And, yeah, it's a massive part of what we've accomplished as a, as a team and as a unit over the last few years. And it's something that is uh, is going to inspire us and hopefully push us on over the next few years as well. You know, it's something we, me, Aaron and, and Wits have talked about it a lot and we've talked about th- this feeling and it is really a feeling. You want that feeling. And I can't explain this feeling to you. It's something you get when you win that trophy, and you and you've you put such hard work in over the years, and you've trained, and you've played, and you've travelled the country, and it is a lot of hours of your life. And you know, we're not footballers; we don't get paid like footballers. If we did, it would be, it'd be, it'd be nice. But um, no, it's just this feeling you get when you when you lift that trophy is is unexplainable. And uh, yeah, that's the feeling I want more and more. So it's nice to have that feeling in in the locker room, and people know what it feels like, and. Uh, it really does motivate you to, to get back to that and win some more trophies and silverware.
0: And that league title obviously will live long in the memory of many every single Swindon fan that's been in that building, but it was also another special year because it was your testimonial year. Um, talk us through your testimonial. Ten When you came down with your mum and had dinner at Ryan and Sue's table, did you think that 10 years later you'd be in front of all the Cats fans? doing your speech after your testimonial, having won the league that year as well, it literally was the perfect way to finish that testimonial year, wasn't
1: it? Yeah, it was. Um, it, was a, it was a big year for me, obviously, a, a personal year. And to be honest, I never expected to, to be at the Wildcats for 10 years. It was never never something really that crossed my, crossed my mind. I never expected to be... Uh, do you know what? If I had looked back 10 years ago and said I'd be playing hockey in 10 years, I think I would have still been excited. So... Now, the fact I've had the chance to play down here for so long and meet so many amazing people and be part of an organization that you know I love uh, more than anything is is amazing and uh, you know I'm very thankful to Steve and Aaron and and the Nell family and Ryan and everyone who just looked out for me and you know given me this opportunity to be to be an ice hockey player for, for my career and no, it is and to top off that year after the uh, after the big league win to have a testimonial game was was incredible and you know to it, it, it goes a long way, you know, for me, I'm not one to celebrate myself, so I wanted to make it about the the team itself and, you know, about our accomplishments that year, and I know uh, Yanni was retiring and Max obviously announced his retirement as well, so I wanted to make it about them as much as me and, you know, bringing some of the kids and bringing, obviously, Kieran and stuff like that, but it really is, the the whole culture behind swimming is incredible because, like yourself and Tom and everybody else who helped me out with my testimony, I didn't even have to ask and I had so many fans and friends, I call you fans, but you, you are my friends, but, um, but no, like who just helped me out and did things for me and volunteered, and you know it's that community you have at the Wildcats is is amazing, and you know, I've such help from everybody, and especially you two, you know as well, and putting so much together, and Paul Norbury, and you know just just just, and they are literally friends from being fans. That's all it is, and I've got so many friends now who who are fans and come to every game like yourselves, and and Paul, and people like that, and uh, just show uh, how special this club is. That in in such a special moment like your 10 year anniversary is. That they'll all get together and do so much for you, because obviously, as you guys know, it was a stressful year for me, um, being back home for a year in Nottingham and travelling down at weekends. So to have that support, to have that help, and you know, to have the support from from Steve and the club was was a uh, was amazing. And uh, yeah, to to manage to play ten years of hockey, let alone for one club, is is a uh, is an amazing thing. So um, no, I'm I'm really happy about it. Um, so I
0: mean, it was a fantastic night for all of us. The testimonial, and then obviously. The Summer comes, you sign a three year contract to stay in Swindon. So, you've done 10 years, you commit for another three, and on top of that, you get with Yanni retiring, you take over as captain. So, how did you find out when did Aaron tell you you were getting the C on your jersey, and kind of what was your reaction to,
1: to it? Um, yeah, obviously, I was, I was thrilled, you know, it's uh. It's a special thing and I don't think I've ever really been captain before maybe when I was juniors a little bit for a couple of years maybe but um, no it's something special to be to be a leader in a team and um, it's nothing I've ever really wanted or pushed for So should I say I've always wanted to be a leader and a captain but you know I think it comes naturally through your progression and obviously being there for so long and knowing the club inside out it it helps but you know it's a, it's a massive honour and I remember signing the three year contract because I was planning on moving down, obviously buying a house and settling down here for a little bit and starting a teaching career. So um I remember signing a three year contract and I think we uh we discussed it then about about being captain and stuff as well. But no obviously I was I was over the moon and it's more of that proud moment that you can be recognized as someone as a leader because I don't really see myself as a leader but obviously Aaron does and um no it's it's amazing and um, I, some of you guys might know, but it's my late my my late father, bless him, he passed away when I was 15. And there's certain things I always wanted him to see, and I wanted him to see that I played for England and Great Britain, and that was obviously our big thing when I was a kid. And um, just just thinking that the hard work and dedication, him and my mother, bless her, put in together, to to get me to where I am, and just to have that see on your shirt is a real honour for them, and uh, it's almost like a token to my dad, bless him, for taking me all over the world, all over the country, to say. You know what i am i've I've kind of got to that to that level of, of being a leader and you know taking his attributes which he had as a person and he's passed down to me and hopefully i can uh, I can help the future generation of players as well and just help out as much as I can you know uh, i I don't really feel like I'm a Jan Costa or anything like that because they're such amazing leaders and I've had such great captains since since I started my career but um if I can like I say if I can be one percent of Jan Costa I can give one percent of what he gave to me to someone else you know i'm I feel very, very proud. So, uh, no, yeah, it's uh, a nice, obviously a nice thing and hopefully we can uh, all push together towards uh, some more trophies, like I said.
0: And you've got, obviously, two years left on that deal. We've touched about the year just gone. There's, again, a strange year in the world, not just in hockey. But looking ahead now, obviously, we don't know when the new year's going to start, but I guess it's, like you said, it's going to be a case of getting together. You know there's a good core of the team back that you played with for three or four, if not longer, now and some people like Aaron and which you played with pretty much your whole career. Is it just going to be a case of get together whenever we can and and try and find that that feeling that you talked about?
1: Yeah, it is. It, it, obviously, it's it's uncharted territory right now. We don't really know what's going on. We've never been in this position before, where you know we're going to be off the ice for such a long time, and we have no idea when the rinks are even opening yet. So. You know gyms are closed. You know I said in, in the uh, OHA uh, podcast thing I did the other day. Uh, usually me and Aaron, with the exception of last year, go to the gym every morning. We have this routine, we have this structure, and you guys know me very well. I need structure in my life. I need this routine. I need to be busy all the time. I I, I don't cope very well when I've got too much idle energy. So, uh, but no, um, yeah, it's it's so strange. But I think I always refer to to a Milk Keynes team years ago when they when they were really dominant in, in the leagues and. They had this core, and they just kept the same every year. You know, they had three or four years where they had that core of players where they really excelled, and not not to take anything away from them players because some of them were fantastic, but they weren't all the best players in the league. They weren't they weren't these amazing stars they'd signed like some of the teams. They were just this great group of core players who just worked together and had that culture in that team, and they dominated for years. You know, I know we talk about us beating them in some of the, some of the playoff semi-finals but no yeah they, they were excellent and I think that's something we've really started to develop here and over the last few years particularly we've got that amazing core of players you know the local Swindon lads now and uh, I think anyone adding on is, is is just a bonus so you know I think uh, I think the, the future's only got the good things and the crazy thing is about our core that you know me Stevie and, and, and Aaron are some of the older guys now and we're, we're not even 30 yet well I think Aaron just is but you know, we're not 30 yet. So uh, I think we've got Floydy, you know, you've obviously got guys in this team who have seemed to have been here forever. You know Floyd just seems to have been here forever and he's, and he's still so young. So you now you talk about Ben Nethersall as well. And just so many of the guys and obviously Ploody coming down and Rennie. Our team core is very, very young. So there's, there's, there's a good chance that, you know, this, this team's going to be together for at least a few more years. And, and uh, you know, I think that that only helps you out in the long run because it definitely takes away that, initial learning period when you've got to get used to new teammates and players and obviously you haven't got malash for three years as well two more years same as mine and you know yeah it's it's crazy isn't it so it's i think uh i think the next few years are going to be huge for us and uh yeah I, I, we have high expectations on ourselves so i think uh i think if uh there's no silverware in the next few years i think it's going to be a, a, a terrible time for us so no we we know what we want we know we want to win some silverware and uh I think this year, I think honestly, I think the way we're going for playoffs, you would have had a good chance. And um, no, we, we're just looking forward to, to hearing any news we can about the rinks opening again and getting back to it because I know everybody's excited to get back on the ice.
0: I oh, no, know, I've jokingly he said this to you, but the contract will come up. That'll be 13 years, only seven more, to become the first player in, well, I think, ever to have what double testimonial at the same club. Do you fancy it?
1: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I've got two more years left. We'll, we'll see how I'm feeling then. You know, I am approaching thirty pretty quick, and uh, no, but we'll see. And you know what? Like, I, I, I see myself as starting my career here. You know, obviously, I started it in Nottingham, but um, I see myself as really starting my career here, and you know, being a, a realised hockey player and contributing towards the team. Um, and I would love to finish it here too. So we'll, we'll see. I don't know what the future holds at the time, but you know, I've got two more years for certain, and. Um, we'll figure out when I come around to it, you know me, I'm not one for planning the future to sign a, sign a three year was a big deal for me. So, but no, you know, I, I like I say, I love it here. My, my friends and, you know, I, it's, everyone's down here now. And, uh, I, I've said it a thousand times. I say it every year and it's probably on repeat now, but, um, you know, Swinney is the most professional club in, in this league. In my opinion, you know, they've got everything you need. You're so well looked after, you know, it's been a privilege to play here so long and it's been a privilege to have two more years on my contract, you know uh, Steve and, and the way he runs the organisation is is, is is as professional as you could be for this league. You know, it's incredible. We're so well looked after. We have everything we need. And, uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to go anywhere else in, in this league. And if I could finish my career here, you know, I'd, I'd be delighted.
0: And um, Lastly, I'm sure you'll be thrilled to know, so you haven't got to uh, sit and listen to me and Tom talk at you uh, for too much longer. We're going to finish this one with a little bit of fun for you, hopefully. Um, Oh, you've man. been here 10, 11 years now. Um, pick your all time cats line, you've got one goalie, you've got two D men, you've got three forwards, and I'm gonna let us go down the uh the the NIHL limit. I'll let you have two imports and they can play on the same shift. But
1: all right. So yeah. All time, all time. I'm gonna go old to not offend anyone in the current team. Just FYI. Somebody all time.
0: Yeah, whoever comes on this podcast is going to be asked uh, a similar question
1: alright I'm going to bring up some all-time legends so um, I won't pick anyone from the current team because I, I don't think that's very fair but I'll go um, goalie-wise we'll go Gumsey. because I'm, I'm not going to pick Renny because he's in the current team um, I'd probably go Andy Finn who was my first my first uh, year friend we get on really well we're still really close now He played in my testimonial uh, Nick Compton Another really good friend of mine. It's hard to pick people that aren't in the team because people like Wits and Aaron have been in my team for all of my career. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to seeing which forward you're going to pick. I know, it's, it's tough to pick. Um, Jonas. Obviously, Jonas is one of the best friends in the world. Uh, Forward-wise... there's um, oh, too many. I think he's not still in the the team. I'm not going to pick Manash because he's still in the team. Jan Kostel. Of yeah,
0: measure two
1: important. You be on there. I've got to get a Brit. Um who else have we had over the years um, there's too many there's too many to pick one person here guys Come on one
0: here, name please.
1: I'm thinking I'm trying to sort of say to you say he it huh who what? Richie yeah, I, was gonna, I was literally about to say Richie yeah oh,
0: I was, yeah, I was a bench coach with Cass as assistant coach
1: oh yeah that's the only problem maybe. I don't know how Richie because I was thinking Richie and Fordy and how do you pick between them two because they're both <laughs> absolute beauties. But, um, yeah, we'll go Richie too. Richie's, we won't class Richie as a bench coach. Aaron still technically plays. Richie doesn't, does he? So, yeah, we'll go Richie up there too. They're probably probably my favourite. I've been politically because I don't want to pick anyone in the current team to offend anyone. So, uh, so no, but, yeah. But, obviously, you've got, you've got the likes of Wits and Aaron and all of them guys. You asked me this question in a few years and they're, they're going to be the top guys on the list because they're the boys I've really played with. So, you know, they're, they're, they're friends for life and people like Jonas too and Yanni and, you know, it it really is. It's it's such a privilege to to play the sport as a as a job, and you know, to have a financial income from it. But at the same time, you know, I I would do it for free. Don't tell Steve now that, or Aaron, because they'll, they'll take my wages away from me. But but no, it, it's a privilege just to be around the boys. And you know, that's that's the real reason you play. That you love the, you love the sport. You love turning up every week, but you love turning up with your teammates and having that. It really is a family, and you can't explain it in the US. you're in that kind of team sport environment. But you know, it's 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 not a job. You know, the day it becomes a job is the day I probably won't play. You know, the day I feel it's actually work. And for me, it's turning up and having fun with, fun with my friends and playing a sport I love. So, you no, know, it's it's uh, there's so many guys I couldn't to pick five is, is a challenge. But we've gone vintage. Yeah,
0: we've gone oh, vintage. I
1: think we got Raymond Danlyx. We've got Castles. We've got the boys. Yeah, the originals. You know, the original that's, that's, first year guys. You know, they're beauties too. And there's just so many. There's so many. But yeah, we'll stick with them five for now. Yeah. Well, being political about it will be.
0: I, I like that. I like that. You don't want to show any favoritism when you get back. No, out.
1: no of course, no, Especially
0: no. as captain, everyone's got the fair. the fair got yeah. work. Yeah. Well, I think that's um, I think that's everything. Bully, thank you so much for taking time out and and chatting to us for for these. Um, I'm sure the fans will love it. I know we've loved chatting and talking about. Some of the old times, some of the more recent memories as well. So, uh, thank you very much and look after yourself. And hopefully it won't be too long before we uh, get back on, or before you get back on some ice and we get back in the stands watching you.
1: Yeah, perfect. No, cheers. Cheers, you super nerds. I know you're <laughs> going to somewhere. If anyone listening, I'm not, I'm not being offensive. I've known these guys for a long time and it's what they're known as, the super hockey nerds.
0: Yeah, I knew yeah. you were going to get that in somewhere. We'll take it. We're <laughs> right,
1: again. I, again. No worries, <laughs> mate. Anytime. See you, guys.
0: Well, that brings us to the end of episode four of the Wildcast. We hope you all enjoyed the Sam Bullis interview there. It was great to talk to Bully about um, some of his happier memories in Swindon and, and how the move originally came around amongst everything else we spoke about. We can't thank you enough for joining us. Uh, it really was a pleasure for both me and Tom to be able to sit with him and, and just talk life as a Wildcat for, for a couple of hours. Um, coming in the next few weeks hopefully we'll get a couple more interviews like that lined up because um, they've been really popular and, and we thank everybody that's, uh, that's tuned in don't forget to uh, click subscribe on your favorite outlet and then you won't ever miss an episode that we release you can also follow us on social media we're on twitter at the underscore wildcast and on facebook it's just the wildcast um, we hope everyone's staying safe. Uh, hopefully, it won't be too long, and uh, we'll be bringing you episode five of the Wildcats. But for now, take care. Look after each. You- look after yourselves, and uh, we'll see you soon.